welcome to the I Look Like a Doctor podcast, the podcast dedicated to interviewing physicians underrepresented in medicine to inspire the next generation. I am your host, Sarah Torres. Hello and welcome everyone. I am so excited to be bringing this episode to you this week. On this week's episode, we have Dr. Buba Morong. He was my senior resident during my internal medicine rotation and it was hands down one of my favorite rotations of my um, M3 year. And so I am so excited to have him on the podcast today. Dr. Bupa Marong was born and raised in the Gambia. He came to the U.S. after high school to pursue his childhood dream of becoming a medical doctor. He worked as a nursing assistant and later as a nurse while obtaining his Associate of Science degree from Tacoma Community College and Molecular Biology degree from the University of Washington in Seattle, Washington. He obtained his Doctor of Medicine degree from the Medical College of Wisconsin and completed residency training in internal medicine at Medical College of Wisconsin Affiliated Hospitals. He is currently an internal medicine hospitalist at Advocate Aurora Health in Milwaukee. Views expressed in this podcast are his personal views and are not representative of his former or present employers. Dr. Morong, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me, Sarah. I'm so excited that I finally get to interview you. Me as well. I've been I've been waiting for this um, since we worked together um, on our internal medicine rotation. I um, this is a great opportunity that you've started for a lot of people to kind of tell our stories of how we got into medicine, what gets us excited, what is the background story about um, you know behind the title and the people who helps us get here. Yeah, thank you. I thought it was really important for me to share that not you know. Medicine is a tough road anyway, you know, no matter which way you go. But I, I think it's really important to show that we all come from like different walks of life um, and we can all get to the same destination just in different ways. Um, so with that being said, um, I think I'll just open it up to kind of asking, like, what made you want to go into medicine? Um, you can share a little bit about where you're from, that sort of thing. Yep, absolutely, man. I'll, I'll give you a little background. So um, I'm Buba Marong, obviously. I am originally from Gambia, West Africa, which is a very tiny little country. So if you've never heard about it, I won't be mad at all. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is located um, in the western tip of West Africa, in the western tip of Africa, completely surrounded by Senegal, except on the west side, where kind of bordered by the Atlantic Ocean. Um, I spent better part of my formative years in Gambia. I was born and raised there. I went to elementary school there, junior high. And then I came to America after high school um, just to further my education. Um, I was one of those people that I've always wanted to go into medicine. I really never really had a plan B as to what I want to do if I didn't make it into medicine. Um, I think very briefly in high school, I flirted with the idea of going into like diplomacy, like United Nations kind of work, kind of work, you know, like Mm -hmm. peace building. But I decided very early on that this is as good as world peace is going to get. So (laughs) I I figured I'll look look into other opportunities, you know, if you will. But your efforts elsewhere. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) but for what it's worth, I've always wanted to go into medicine since high school. So everything that I did throughout my high school and since then have been geared towards preparing me into going into medical school. So after high school, um, I mean, I am from what is termed humble background in Gambia, which, for lack of a better word, is a euphemism for being from a poor family, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, but after I finished high school, some really well-meaning individuals put together some funds for me and I was able to secure a student visa. 
I came to America in the later part of 2004 just to start mm-hmm. my pre-medical education. Unfortunately, when I got here, um, school was a lot more expensive than I thought. I mean, I, I, I didn't even know how people pay for school here. I figured I'll get to America and everything will kind of work themselves out. So yeah. I ran into some difficulties in my early years. So because of that, I didn't end up going to school right away. I mean, I took some time off and I, I worked some odd jobs here and there. And then finally, I started working as a nursing assistant, actually, when I first got here. Um, Wait, let me interrupt you. Did you come directly to Milwaukee, Wisconsin? or did No, you... no, actually. Okay. So, yeah, no, great question, actually. So after high school, when I came here, I actually went to um, Washington State, the oh, Seattle really? area. Yeah, the oh. Seattle area. So I lived in the Seattle area for quite some time, I mean, before coming to Milwaukee. So... I live there and I like a, a really expensive like, <laughs> I, I know, right? I know, I know, I know. So I wasn't living in Seattle proper, you know. Fortunately, mm-hmm. um, I have some Gambian friends in the area, like north of Seattle. I mean, the cheaper areas, if you will. So I was able to kind of stay with them and did some odd jobs for a little bit, you know, including mm-hmm. working as a nursing assistant mm-hmm. for for a little while. And while I was working as a nursing assistant. One of my really great friends who was a nurse at the time mm-hmm. um, advised me about going to nursing school. Mm-hmm. And I had told him that I had aspirations of going to medical school, but things were really expensive. Um, I'm from a big family. I need to support them. So what I ended up doing is um, I started my pre-med, but I stopped and I went back and did a year of nursing. So I became a licensed practical nurse. And while I was working as a licensed practical nurse, I picked up my pre-medical classes again um, mm-hmm. and then and then went from there. Just as a side note, I mean, I always like to put in this plug in for um, community med- community colleges. You know, I actually went to a community college. Mm-hmm. I did most of my um, pre-med classes, the general education classes. I did them at a pre-med, at a community college. And then I transferred to the University of Washington, oh. Seattle. And I did my, I completed my bachelor's in molecular biology. At the University yeah. of Washington. I'm really glad that you bring that up because I feel like that's a really like a common misconception that you have yeah. to go to a state school to do yeah. all of your prereqs because like medical schools don't. That's actually what I was told too. Like when I was in my pre-med, like, oh, you can't go to a community college. You have to do all of your prereqs at a state school and then and you can apply. Not, that's not, not true. I mean, not particularly. If you can afford to go to a four-year university right away. I mean, yeah. I have a feeling just anecdotally I think medical schools mm-hmm. kind of prefer, I mean, back in the day at least, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's something about going to a four-year university right off the bat from high school that is somewhat favored, at least makes you a, you know, a more competitive applicant to medical schools. Mm-hmm. But I think more and more medical schools are kind of shifting their thinking from that. You know what I mean? Like they need a more comprehensive or more non-traditional applicants too, because it adds yeah. to the richness and the texture of the class that's coming in. You know what I mean? Everyone right. has different backgrounds. So exactly. for me, it was purely for financial reasons as to why I started up with a community college because it was cheaper uh-huh. to take my general education classes over there. I mean, uh-huh. English literature or like physics 101 is the same wherever you go, right? I mean, you do it at a right. four-year university versus a community college. It's right. the same kind of material, right? Um, mm-hmm. But for me, to be quite honest, it was for more of a pragmatic and practical reason because that's what I can afford at the time. So right. I just did that and I obtained my associate's degree and I transferred to the four-year university at the University of Washington. Um, and then I went from there. So um, after my bachelor's degree, I, 
I took a year off and I applied for medical school after that. Mm, okay. So yeah. then did you, so then was it like that you did all of your, your general, like kind of like your general requirements at the, um, the community college, or you also did some of like the, the pre-med requisites there? Requirements. Yeah. No, great question. So I did some of my even science-based requirements, the one that you can do at the community mm. college level I did. But then okay. when I went to the University of Washington to complete my molecular biology degree, I had mm-hmm. to do some higher level okay. biology mm-hmm. and okay. you know, molecular biology classes, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the, mm-hmm. core, the core of my pre-med classes I actually did at the community college levels. You know, like, Got it. Okay. Like your biologists, your physics mm-hmm. of the world, you know, but mm-hmm. biochemistry and genetics and, you know, mm-hmm. like some higher level proteomics classes mm-hmm. I did at the university at the University of Washington. So um, mm-hmm. okay. you you can do it both ways. So as long as you get you get your requirements in and you make sure that you're plugged in with good advisors early on, mm-hmm. you can save actually save a lot of money doing things that way. Mm. I <laughs> wish sure. I would have I wish I wouldn't have been so afraid. I could have saved some money there. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean I'm I, I'm a big fan, you know. I mean I whenever I talk to my mentees who are still on the pre-med journey and they haven't made it to University. I mean, obviously, when you're at a four-year university, I don't need to tell you the story because you're already on that path. But mm-hmm. for people who are struggling financially and you just need to get your feet in, I always try to tell them, I mean, finances should never be a reason why you don't go to medical school, right? Yeah. You're definitely at a disadvantage, you know. I mean, you're starting, you know, from a little bit afar. You have a mm-hmm. disadvantage because you don't have all the finances. You have a lot of inconveniences along the path. Mm-hmm. But there is a way. And one of the ways that you can sidestep not having the money to go to an expensive four-year university mm-hmm. is look into community colleges, you know, because you can Absolutely. do the majority of these pre-med classes at the community college level. Now, Absolutely. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think there's any research that says that deans of admissions at these medical schools do not kind of look down upon community college yeah. level classes. But I'm pretty sure there's some people who prefer, you know, like right. amongst us who prefer you to go to like a name brand school and they want you to go straight to a four-year university for what it's worth. But I'm pretty sure there's other deans of admissions at some medical schools that actually appreciate and respect that hustle that you went through to yeah. get to where you are today. You know what I mean? And I think that it's actually... I think people are being more cognizant, or at least deans and like admissions committees are being more cognizant of that than I think sure. they were in previous years. So I'm really sure. glad that you brought that up because but you're actually the first um, position that I've interviewed that you took that path. Actually, no, 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 absolutely, mm-hmm. man, absolutely. And um, if I had to do it again, I probably would have done the same thing, even if I, because it mm-hmm. saved me so much money. It saved me literally two years of, I don't know how much, however much University of Washington cost at the time. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's, that's a lot of money, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and mm-hmm. I feel like I really, really got really good education at the community college with all these basic science classes, you know, like right. if I didn't tell you that, that's why I did my basic science classes, there was no way that you would know that that's where I did my basic science classes, right? I exactly. Mean, it, it wouldn't even come up because it didn't show any deficiency moving forward right. throughout my medical school career, you know. So I'm I'm really, really proud of taking that path. Yeah. It, it saved and me then, a lot of money. And then, and then you had to pay for everything basically out of your own pocket, right? Exactly. Because, because being on a visa, you don't even exactly. qualify, right? Okay. Ex- okay. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about student loans at the time, right? And it's, yeah. it's fairly, it's fairly um, affordable. You know, you can, 
you can you can pay for it yourself and you know you may get some merit scholarships here and there to pay for it but mm-hmm. you know from a practical and pragmatic standpoint if you cannot afford a four-year university this is my first plug-in you know let that not be a deterrent from thinking that you can make it to medical school there's other ways of getting around that that financial that financial dilemma if you will I'm glad that you brought that up. I actually know a lot of stu- like students that I mentor um, who are DACA recipients. And so mm-hmm. they don't qualify for like the student loans or anything like that. So it's kind of like they have sure. to work, you know, anything that any higher education that they pursue, it comes directly out of their pocket. Right. So for sure. I mean, that can be painfully yeah. expensive, man, if you don't mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. some sort of an inheritance waiting for you, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> who, who does? <laughs> who does? Who does anymore? Who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So, Washington State, you graduated there with your molecular and bio, and then from there, mm-hmm. where, where do we go? Yeah, so so I did that. I mean, keep in mind, throughout all of this, I was working as a nurse mm-hmm. now. So, mm-hmm. what I was doing at the University of Washington, I would work Saturday, Sunday. I was working 16-hour shifts. I was really lucky to have a really nice schedule at a skilled nursing facility. So I would work Saturday and Sunday, 16-hour shifts, and then Monday mm-hmm. through Friday, I would go to I would drive to University of Washington, right, until I wow. got my, my molecular biology degree. So that was a stretch of about two years where I, for all intents and purposes, I didn't get any any day off, right? But wow. it didn't feel that way. I mean, if you've seen me on the wards, I've always been like that. To me, I know. Yeah. life is what you make it, right? I mean, I could mm-hmm. pout about it or I could just be grateful that I had the stamina and the health to be able to do that. Like right. now, if I physically broke down and I couldn't do it anymore, then I'll really complain that, man, I wish I didn't have to do all of this. But I was working the two 16-hour shifts on the weekend and going to school Monday through Friday. Physically, it didn't affect me that much. I mean, maybe socially, some of my social relationships kind of you know, fell through the cracks naturally. But if I had to do it again, that's not a big price to pay for being a mentor your 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 road to becoming a medical doctor right so so right. i did that and i was going to school i also say this to say that sometimes these difficulties actually prepare you for a bigger purpose in life right because mm-hmm. i didn't know that this was actually preparing me for what i i will be encountering in medical school right? <laughs> you know what i mean so but in hindsight i was like man hmm, i guess i was preparing myself for medical school with that brutal of a schedule right so mm-hmm. i didn't really have any days off if you will you know maybe some vacations here and there while mm-hmm. I was finishing up my undergrad. And then once I finished, then I applied to medical school and I was lucky to get accepted at the Medical College of Wisconsin, which I'm really, really grateful for the opportunities because it seems like they really, really looked at non-traditional students, like the ones mm-hmm. that take the path that I took. Mm-hmm. And I think it has been their experience that they add to the richness of the culture, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we all come from different backgrounds. We all bring in different perspective. And I think it naturally adds to the richness of the class, you know, from a cultural standpoint, from just life vantage point standpoint. So I get really lucky to get accepted at medical school. And I really jumped at that opportunity right off the bat. So Mm -hmm. when you when you apply, did you apply like so you apply like broadly? Like how many interviews did you get? And like, how, how was that process for you? I did. I applied broadly, I remembered, but I remembered I got, I didn't get that many interviews. I think maybe four tops, maybe four tops. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm one of those people, I'm always grateful for whatever I get, right? I, mean, right, I wasn't right. too worried that mm-hmm. I didn't get that many interviews because for some reason I kind of applied late in the season. 
whatever reason, mm-hmm. I think I was so tired of it, my work at the time, you know, working as a nurse and I was putting together my application. I think my application went in a little bit later than most applicants, but I was yeah. still grateful to get those four interviews. And I put right. in my best face, man. Like mm-hmm. I was genuinely excited that someone actually want to talk to me for this opportunity. So, right. um, and and again, I mean, I'll, I'll try to throw in little pros as I go along. That is the mm-hmm. other thing. Now, I applied to some schools that I really, really want to go to. They didn't invite me for an interview. And then I applied to other schools okay. that were kind of at the bottom of my list at the time. Mm-hmm. I got interviews there. And now you have to ask yourself, should I get salty about not getting an interview from this said school that I want to go to? Or should I be excited about getting an interview from this other school that really, really mm-hmm. wants me, right? So mm-hmm. again, you can always flip a negative into a positive. That's always been my life story. Right. And I was really excited for the schools that invited me for an interview. And whenever I step foot on the campus to interview, I think they can genuinely feel that, hey, this guy really wants to be here, right? So right. And it mm-hmm. makes for a very nice and a very cordial interview season for me. And um, as soon as the acceptance came through from Medical College of Wisconsin, man, I was so excited. And I was like, wow, I mean, I guess I guess I made it. I, get, I yeah. got in, you know, so I... I don't think I've jumped that high in my life from excitement. And I called everyone that has helped me along the way just to mm-hmm. let them know that I got into the medical college and I was super stoked about the opportunity. That's so awesome. At the yeah. time, was your family here also or was it just you, you know, yeah. in America? In 2014, I think it was just me at the time. I mean, this was in 2013 oh. when I got the acceptance. It was just yeah. me, but I do have a bunch of cousins sprinkled throughout America, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in Washington State, in New York, you know. Mm-hmm. Gambia, for being a small country, we have a lot of diaspora population. We have a lot of Gambians mm-hmm. you know, throughout America. So I've, I have some cousins here. I've made some good friends. So it's not as lonely as it sounds, but my immediate family at the time, I think my sister, 2013, my sister was already here because she came in 2010 and she lived in Texas at the time. She was also going to a community college at the time. Okay. And then my other little brother was living in Washington State with me at the time. So I've, I, I have some family around. So, But my Is mom and dad and the rest of the family were back home in Gambia. Oh, I see. Okay. Is this the same sister that's at PT school right now? Yeah, PA school. She's going to PA, PA school. school. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is the same sister? It's the same sister. Yeah. Oh, so she okay, also okay. went through the community college system. Then she went to a four-year university. Now she's going to um, double majors in uh, PA and masters in public health at the University of, oh um, University of Wisconsin Madison. So basically, you got accepted to MCW, and then yep. you're just like, everyone's going to come to Wisconsin now. <laughs> yes, now I'm like, dang, okay, I guess Wisconsin, okay, let's go. I mean, <laughs> you bring the whole family. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so I was excited. I didn't know much about Wisconsin. I mean, I I have a friend here. Actually, mm-hmm. I stayed with him during mm-hmm. my interview at MCW. So I was excited that at least I know someone in Wisconsin. And again, there is a a big Gambian population in Madison area. Mm-hmm. So I was excited at least I'll have some people close by. So, but even more than that, though, I was more excited about the opportunity of mm-hmm. actually getting into medical school because Absolutely. I know there's a lot of people that apply to medical school. They don't get in. Yeah. I don't consider myself to be any brighter than them. I don't consider myself any academically accomplished than they were. So to me, I looked at it as a privilege that someone actually Absolutely. looked at me and they were like, hey, this guy is going to be worthy of becoming a doctor. And they gave me the opportunity. Right. So when I came down, 
every single day that I was in medical school, I walk around with that kind of attitude that it could have been someone else. I got in here, not because I am the best, but because I was the one who was given this opportunity. So do not blow this dude. You know what I mean? So yeah. I always walk around with that kind of mindset, you know, from day one. That's amazing that you say that, yeah. honestly, because <laughs> it is it is such a privilege. And I feel like when you come from kind of like those that background of like, yeah. you know, not having anyone in this space, meaning like family members or just like having, having a humble beginning, right? Yeah. When you have that opportunity to be in this space, it's just, you're just so thankful. And you know, and you know, I always think about it too, because I'm like, there are, you know, colleagues that I have, friends that are still in the pre-med, you know, psych part of their lives. And mm -hmm. they're phenomenal, phenomenal people, phenomenal applicants. And, sure. you know, they've applied once, twice, still haven't gotten in. And I'm just like, it breaks my heart because they absolutely deserve to For be sure. in this space. For sure. So For sure. I always remember that. And I, you know, I agree, I agree with you that you should, you know, be really grateful to be in the space. It's really, really hard to get into For sure. it. For sure. I couldn't agree more. For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's always been my mindset throughout medical school. Whenever I, I walk around, I always work a little bit extra. It almost seems like I'm working a little bit extra for that person who couldn't get in, who wanted to be a doctor. Yes. Right. Yes. So I'm like, I am given this opportunity for a reason. And right. if I take care of this opportunity right, I can have a big impact, not only in my immediate community, but worldwide. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I always walk around with that with that kind of a mindset and with that kind of an attitude. So um, it's it's not a given right. No one owes you for you to get into medical school. You know what I mean? It doesn't mm -hmm. matter how badly Booba wants to be a doctor. <laughs> it doesn't mean that someone should give you the opportunity. Right. So when they give you the opportunity, Please take care of that opportunity because someone else did not get that opportunity. You know what I mean? Right, so right. take care of it, especially mm -hmm. people from underrepresented backgrounds, right? Exactly. It's a yeah. privilege and an opportunity. And the kind of impact that you can have with this said privilege is monumental. It's huge. So for me, it's a little bit, there's a sentimentality connected to getting into medical school from day one. Mm -hmm. And I spent a great deal of time which something that medical school afford you is to be lonely all the time because you're in the library by yourself <laughs> and your thoughts, you know. So, but the better part of that, but the better part of that first, you know, to be quite honest, because you're you're spending a lot of quiet time by yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you use that quiet time very wisely, Sarah, you can spend a great deal of time being super introspective, and I think that's what med school did for me more than anything. Right. right. I was able to sit down and kind of dissect my life, my thinking pattern how I look at the world. I mean, sometimes how entitled I used to be like, man, how come this good thing did not happen to me? How come it happened to the next person? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then you come to realize you don't, the man above doesn't owe it to you to always give you a favor, right? I mean, if you're favored, mm -hmm. the least you can do is be grateful for the opportunity that you have and not pay too much attention to the opportunity that went by you that you didn't grab, right? So, right. I spent a lot of time dissecting my life along that line, and it has helped me immensely throughout medical school and certainly throughout my residency, and which we'll, we'll, we'll probably touch on, but I, it mm. definitely helped me throughout my journey to kind of look at life through that, through that lens, that every opportunity is a privilege, is not a right, mm. is mm. not a right, is not a right. So you should definitely do your utmost best to make sure that you protect it, to make sure that you wring every single ounce out of that opportunity 
to be the best version of yourself, to be quite honest. Right. And how did, but how did you, so I, so you basically look at through the lens of like gratitude, right? Like, and that's from, from mm-hmm. just like, kind of like sum it up. Um, what about like when the going got tough because medical education is just so, so hard. Medical school is really, really hard. How, yep. how did you stay so positive yeah. during those times when it was just, when, you know, everything just would get tough? No, that's a, no, that's a, that's a great question. And part of that self-evaluation, if you will, you know, part of being introspective, what I did for myself, and I think I was probably subconsciously doing this throughout my life in America when I first came here. Mm-hmm. As part of my defense mechanism, I want to stay positive, right? I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. One of those people, unless you explicitly tell me something, I will never assume that you meant it to be negative, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that is how, that's always been my defense mechanism. So throughout undergrad, most especially throughout medical school and residency, mm-hmm. whenever I interact with people, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I never mm-hmm. assume that people are coming from a bad place, right? They they might have been trying to come from a bad place, but as the saying goes, you know, you cannot control what people do. You can only control how you react to it. Right. That's how I've always moved. So when someone did or say something to me in medical school or residency, I always look at it as, Booba, how are you going to react to what has just happened to you? And I've actually played scenarios in my head, even mm-hmm. before when I'm just by myself. Hey, what if someone said this to you in med school? What if a patient said this to you in med school? How are you going to react? How yeah. are you going to internalize and flip that into a positive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As an example, I'll give an example. I mean, I know there was a okay. lot of debate around microaggression, you know, in, in medical school, in residency. Mm-hmm. But to me, as far as the microaggression is not coming from someone who controls my checks or who controls the opportunities that I may have in that environment. Let's say mm-hmm. if my if my boss explicitly displays some microaggressive behavior, man, that has to be dealt with, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. has to be dealt with. But if a coworker or someone who has no say in my opportunity and my upward mobility, mm-hmm. if they say something like, hey, where are you really from? You know what I mean? Like, because I think that's the mm-hmm. that's your prototypical microaggression statements, right? Right. To me, I'm thinking, hey, maybe they just catch my accent and they want to know, hey, where is this beautiful accent from, right? So <laughs> in, in my head, that's how I, that's how I flip it, right? I'm not going to yeah. just sit there and have some random person just ask me, where are you really from? Right. And spend like a whole day stewing over that, right? It's not a right. good use of my energy. So mm-hmm. whether they meant it to be macro-aggressive or not, that's totally up to them. I'll let them deal with that, right? But mm-hmm. I can control how I feel about that statement. So to your question, how do I deal with hardship in med school and residency? That is mm-hmm. how I dealt with it. I always flip anything potentially negative into a positive in my head as part of my own defense mechanism. That's how I stayed sane throughout throughout it all. You know what I mean? So yeah. I always tell my mentees, you know, that is an approach that I tell everyone, especially the underrepresented in medicine, is you're mm-hmm. in this big pool that people phenotypically don't look like you. I mean, naturally, you will feel somewhat alienated, okay? And everything can be a little bit more pronounced than they actually need to be. But if you can control your own internal emotions and try to flip every negative as much as possible into a positive, it helps you. It helps you stay sane. It helps you control your environment. 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not saying if something out of the line happened, man, I mean, deal with it, man. Like, you should not shy away from it. But right. as best as possible, man, control your sanity, control your own internal reaction to things that happen to you as much as possible, if that, if that makes sense. Right. No, that's, you actually told me that during my rotation with you. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. You were so positive. And I remember me and um, Emily, so, you know, bye-bye. We were just like in such awe of you, Booba, because we're just like, how does he, like, you're always so positive. You come out of a 28-hour shift as if <laughs> as if there was, nothing just happened. Like you weren't just here for 28 hours, and we were in, we were so inspired by you. So oh, our saying is- throughout the whole month was, like, "What would Booba do? Be like Booba." That is so nice of you guys. Uh, those those 28 hour shifts can be brutal, but boy, were they so rewarding, man! And 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 I have to say that has to be probably one of my my most rewarding rotation to be quite honest because you th- I'm not just saying that because you're interviewing me but you three <laughs> were so intellectually curious and you pushed me to be the best version of myself when it comes to teaching students you know what I mean like you really really mm-hmm. wanted to learn and that is another thing that I really really like to see in medical students you know I mean from mm-hmm. underrepresented backgrounds or not from represented underrepresented backgrounds if you show a level of intellectual curiosity to someone who mm-hmm. loves to teach, like myself, mm-hmm. I go above and beyond. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, right. I I want to make sure that you guys leave that rotation with the notion that you can actually impact medical students' life. Because right. I I get really disturbed when I see medical students not actually enjoying their rotation. I don't know why. Yeah. It's somewhat selfish of me, but I know mm-hmm. how much I enjoyed my rotations. And I know mm-hmm. how much more I felt better when I enjoyed the rotation. I go home feeling so fulfilled, feeling so much part of the, front, uh, the, right. the team. And more importantly, feeling like I learn something new every day, you know? Yeah. That is the beauty of medicine. Like, it, mm-hmm. It's very humbling because, I mean, it's such an oasis of knowledge out there that you do not know. And for mm-hmm. me, the excitement comes from the fact that I am going to go into this environment and I'm going to learn something brand new today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every single right. day. Yes. So yes. I want my medical students to share in that joy and enthusiasm. But that can only happen, you know, kudos to you guys. I mean, you were so intellectually curious. You always showed interest in my rumblings, you know, when I go on and you know, start <laughs> teaching about stuff that you're probably like, damn, dude, we want to go home, you know? No, but, I uh, love I love your teachings. I would bring them up all the, I still have the book that I have to bring it out. And I was like, okay, and I would go through your notes. Um, during, during my sub I was like, oh, winter's formula, what was this? <laughs> no, but seriously, I enjoyed doing that. And you guys made it so much easier for me because you were so intellectually curious. And I think the best part of our rotation for me, Sarah, was when you guys started teaching it back to me, when you had your own individual t- topics to teach. I loved oh, that part. I was like, oh, was, like, it's like passing the baton to us. Oh, that was, I was like a pride, I mean, a, a prideful big brother, man. Like, it was, it was so <laughs> awesome to see you guys take charge and stand in front of the group and, you know, have your whiteboard and your and your permanent markers and just like teaching it, man. Like I was so proud and I could see the enthusiasm and the happiness in your faces when you were teaching those topics to the group, you know? So I think that was the icing on the cake for me for that rotation, you know, actually seeing that it was nice. 
Right. You're, well, you know, I, I mean, I can't really, from, at least from what I, when I talked to, um, to the others, they said that they hadn't had a resident like you. Wow, like you were, like very, you were, nice. yeah, you were very, very um, unique. And I remember when I went over to my next, <laughs> my next rotation. So I won't say the colleague's name, but it was someone in your in your internal medicine program. They're like, "Oh, who was your your resident?" And I was like, "Oh, Booba." And they're like, "Hey, don't expect me to be like Booba." <laughs> I stand. Yeah. My, my colleagues are always too kind to me, man. They're always too kind. You know, I, I was very lucky, man. I I, I have the. I mean, I'm biased, obviously, but I have the best class, man. Like the camaraderie in that group, man, was awesome, man. Those mm-hmm. those people will be family for life, for sure, for sure. But, um, awesome. No, but it was it was a very rewarding month for me, Sarah. I I really had a great yeah. time, and to me, that kind of exemplifies what a perfect system should be. If everything works the way it's supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think about this differently because you guys are paying a lot of money to be medical students. And I did the math. I'm not going to say the actual number here, how much you guys actually pay per day to be in the mm-hmm. hospital. Mm-hmm. And to me, as a resident doctor on the service, it is my obligation. I owe it to you guys. And I think I may be wrong, but I think part of my salary comes from your tuition. So mm-hmm. I am obligated morally and ethically to teach you guys something, right? Mm-hmm. And to that end, I don't want to be that resident who comes and tell medical students, hey, go and look up a topic and come teach us, right? I mean, that's a, to me, that's a cop-out. I mean, this may mm-hmm. be a hot mm-hmm. take, but to me, that's a cop-out, right? I mean, I see people do it sometimes. I mean, as soon as you get on service, you give a bunch of topics to a bunch of medical students and have them go up-to-date those topics and teach it back to you, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like to do that. I like to go about it a different way. I want to set the tone mm-hmm. on... Uh, what a leader on a team should look like. And that's what I tried to mm-hmm. do with you guys, at least for the first three weeks, to see that you guys see exactly how I lead and how I mm-hmm. lead these teaching sessions. And then you can mm-hmm. you can take it and make it your own, right? That's why when that week came and I saw your teaching style, I saw mm-hmm. Emily's teaching style, I saw John's teaching style, I was like, damn. And I learned something from each and every one of you. Mm-hmm. And I added all that into my teaching portfolio from a stylistic standpoint, actually, and also from a content standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, you as the resident physician, you owe it to your medical students. And I'm saying this to you because you're about to be a resident physician. So mm-hmm. as a resident physician on the team, don't make your medical students right off the bat, go look up topics and just come and regurgitate it to you, right? Right, right. Help them and show them how you think, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't meant to be prescriptive, but I want you guys to at least have a sample sampling of how some of these processes works, right? When we talked about, you know, diagnostic schemas and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I waited until the end before we talked about that because I want to build some sort of a basic foundational knowledge for you guys before we right. get to the topic. So when you're the senior resident on the team, set the tone. Right. And I think I told you, I shared with you on the rotation that I... I think I had been so like battered up by the time like I had gotten to the rotation with you that I was just kind of expecting, okay, you know, my senior is not going to acknowledge me. That's fine. Like, that's just how it is. No. Um, and the first day, you know, you turned around, you're like, hi, like, and you were just so kind, introduced yourself. And like, you really did set that tone for the whole, for the whole, our whole team. I feel like our whole team was like amazing. Like your interns, I can tell that they really respected you and they really appreciated your leadership style. And then that just kind of all trickled down then to us. For sure, um, for sure, for sure. So, 
I mean, really? that month of internal medicine, that was my favorite month, I think, out of all of my um, M3 year. Was, that's a, was that's really, really nice of you to say. But I think I told you this. It actually made me sad to hear that, though. That should not be the exception. That should be I know. okay. But but that that was my experience, yeah, and, that, yeah, that's... and I and I don't know, and I don't know why. I don't know why that was the experience. Um, yeah. Is yeah, it because that's... of burnout? Is it just I don't know? But that's but... that's basically how it was, and and I agree that the, the cop out kind of like you know method of like okay, look, have <laughs> come back and teach us like that. It wasn't like it wasn't fun. Like I want you yeah. to teach me. It's, like if you no, can, it's just like sure. little. It wouldn't even take you that long. We would do it yeah. in like twenty minutes. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But I, I think that should be the rule, not the exception, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone, I think every medical student, because this is very easy stuff, right? I was a medical student literally three years ago. I know how mm-hmm. that feels on your first day of a rotation, sitting in that lonely couch and no one says hi to you for like the next one hour. It's sad and miserable. Like, I would never wish that upon my worst enemy, right? So right off the bat, that's the first thing I like to take care of. I want to get to know the medical students right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So I'll get in. As soon as I see you, I'll say hi. I don't care how busy I am. Are you the new Mm -hmm. medical student? Yes. My name is Boober. Give me your name. And if I can't give you, like, the whole spill of expectations for the rotation, I'll be in touch with you very shortly. But people Mm -hmm. want to be recognized as soon as you set eyes on them. Not... You know, you see them, you're like, okay, I see a medical student in the corner of my eyes. In the next 20 minutes, I'll address them. You know, like, that's probably the longest 20 minutes of their lives. You don't want to do that. I was that medical student Mm -hmm. just three years ago. I agree with you. Yeah. I want to be acknowledged right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I want to be acknowledged. So I try to acknowledge med students because at the end of the day, that's Sarah, that's all everyone wants to happen to them on this rotation. They just want to be seen and heard. And more importantly, they want to feel like they're part of the team. That's all one medical exactly. student wants to see. Exactly. And like to me, all... personally, I would feel like I'm a nuisance. Like, like <laughs> oh, they don't really want me here. Like, you know, I'm just kind of like here and they have to pay attention to me. Sure. It probably would be easier if I wasn't here. Like, the, sure. all of that. Like, in the 20 minutes that I'm just <laughs> silently no, I, sitting there I, I, just like thinking you. about it. I hear yeah. you. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. But luckily, though, I mean, I have to say, I have, I've had some great colleagues who are just as passionate about teaching as I am, because I've actually worked with them. I've seen how they work. I've seen how they interact with medical students. They're great advocates for students, man. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even in my residency class and the class below me, like the current senior residents right now on our program, they mm-hmm. are champions of sanitizing the learning environment, man. I am so awesome. proud of that class. Like, they're powerful mm-hmm. advocates for making sure that the learning environment is a safe, environment for everyone especially for medical students so i mean how how do you so now that i'm going to be a resident soon like what are some tips that you have to make a a safe learning environment i mean i think that all you set the tone as a resident you you Mm -hmm. don't realize how much power you have over your medical students right Mm -hmm. as far as setting the tone for positive environment right Mm -hmm. obviously the attendant is always the boss of the group, but mm-hmm. truth be told, attendants are usually around during round, but then the day-to-day interactions is mainly mm-hmm. between the medical students and the um, and the residents, right? So mm-hmm. as the resident, always, always be mindful of your non-verbal communications, right? Because mm-hmm. medical students pick up on that. You know, if you're having a bad day and all of a sudden, you know, you, you checked out, you know, you're just 
jaded and just mumbling under mm-hmm. your breath how much you hated this life and, and all that stuff, it kind of rubs up on your medical student. So yes. set the mm-hmm. positive tone. Actually, almost demand to have a positive environment around you. Mm-hmm. If you notice on my teams, I'm very jovial. I like to play around, but I don't mm-hmm. let things kind of bubble out of control, right? I mean, yeah. even, even the jokes, I mean, we, we have to kind of monitor you know, the stuff we joke about, I try not to joke too much about, I mean, make too light of an issue of actual medical problems, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. try not to make too light of an issue of a colleague's bad day, right? So mm-hmm. I try to make sure that the environment is jovial, is light, but still professional, which right, is, right. is a little bit harder than it sounds, you know, you can, right. because, I mean, sometimes things, things can get a little rowdy if you don't, if you don't have a good leadership style. Mm-hmm. If you're super jovial, super playful, your teams can get a little bit out of hand, you know, almost to an uncomfortable level of joviality, if you will. So have right. a positive environment, maintain a professional decorum, and mm-hmm. more importantly, man, the golden rule, treat every person as you would like to be treated. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Treat every person as you would like to be treated. Make sure that they felt heard and seen, okay? Mm-hmm. Number one, heard mm-hmm. and seen. Number two, know your team, know your personnel. You know, like if someone is having mm-hmm. a bad day, I mean, I've worked with you, Emily and John, long enough on that rotation. If you are having an off day, I could tell. And <laughs> yeah. I'll pull you to the corner and just talk to you right off the bat, man. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't ignore it, right? So be that resident who kind of pick up on your medical students' body languages, what kind of a day are they having after rounds and things like that. Check in on them, man. It's mm-hmm. only for a month, but it's a very long month. It's a very, very long month, you know. Right, right. Checking on them consistently. If they have any concerns, make it a safe environment for them to voice their frustrations to you. Even if they mm-hmm. just want to vent, it doesn't have to be a formal complaint. Let them know that this is a safe space. You can say whatever you need to say, and we can take it wherever you need us to take it, right? Mm-hmm. Make it a safe environment for them to be able to vent. Right. Well, I think you definitely did do that with us. <laughs> for sure. Yes. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's um, it's really, it's a very enjoyable role to be in because yeah. you have a blanket of protection from your attendant physician. You are not yeah. yet the leader of the team, but you mm-hmm. are the leader of the team. You know what I mean? Right, but right. The attendant is the leader of the team. So you, you are the leader of the team when the attendant is not there, but you have a blanket of protection protection from your mm-hmm. attendant if you have any mm-hmm. questions. Right. And that's the beauty of residency that most people kind of missed out on, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, after residency, it's you, man. You're the boss. Yeah, right. I mean, the right. shots lie with you. I mean, like, <laughs> like Buddha here now. You know? <laughs> but, um, as, a, as a resident, you have the protection of your attendant so that you can focus on learning your leadership style, you know, what kind Absolutely. of style works for me, mm-hmm. you know, how am I going to work on myself as a leader? What are some of my vulnerabilities, right? right. How am I going to solicit feedback from my medical students, right? right? I mean, how do I address different medical students differently? Because you cannot give everyone tough love. Some people cannot handle the tough love, right? right. Some people can. So you have to know your personnel. How do you deliver feedback to different medical students mm-hmm. in a very empathic, but also in a very honest manner? Because that's the only way that they can grow, right? Right. So, I mean, being a resident allows you to do that, not just the education, the, the nitty-gritty of the clinical side of medicine, but actually how to be a leader. What kind of leadership style works for you? Right. What are some of your shortcomings that you need to work on before you become an attendant? 
And I think that's so that's like another way of you again putting the positive there. First is because I feel like sometimes a lot of people just like put the negatives of residency the long hours and just like it's hard. It's a hard time, you know. I understand that, but sure. again, you're over here demonstrating the example again of like putting the positives. What are you learning from this? What will what will what will this time teach you for your yeah. future? No, for sure. Hey, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I gotta tell you, man. You can you can always look at the negative. I am not a big fan of that. 3 a.m. Um, weakness admissions, you know, like someone <laughs> admitted for weakness, you know, at 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, when mm-hmm. you're when you're half asleep, you know, I mean, they're not fun, but they have to be done. But that is what right. you signed up for at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't expect anyone to feel bad for me, man, for that. No. Because that is yeah. literally what I signed up for when I signed up. So, right. I right. mean, to me, it's going to be a rough 28 hours, but then I'll go home, I'll sleep it off, I'll eat. I'll rejuvenate and come back to doing what I love doing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's really not that bad of a gig, man. It's really not that bad of a gig. You know, people right. are doing, if you think about it, Sarah, people are doing more physical work for less dignity and less pay than what we're doing, to be quite honest. Oh my gosh. But by the way, I love that you just said that because I've had this conversation so many times with my husband of like, Okay, like because yeah, as a medical student, sure, like we're we're also doing long hours as well. Um, yep. When we do our sub buys, it's our call time too. Yep. And like instead of me thinking like, oh my god, like I have to do this long hour, I'm not getting paid. And I'm like, well, I definitely do know personally some family members that have to get up at the same time, like exactly. five a.m. Yep. and go and work like outside manual labor, farming, sure. or doing you know for. for sure. For minimum wage, like sure. there's no reason for me to complain, and not even just like sure. like there is no reason. People have to get up and, at literally the same time that I am, and probably work one job, two jobs, and not sure. have you know the, this opportunity that I have. So absolutely, absolutely, you have to you have to contextualize mm-hmm. these things. In mm-hmm. isolation, it looked bad, but if you think about it, we're sitting in an air conditioned building. And we have all the snacks in the world in those team rooms. I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember. You know, you have donuts for days. You have <laughs> oh my diet coke, diet Pepsi. I mean, you can just rush to the fridge and grab something to drink any time <laughs> of the night. We were like, so spoiled there. We were so spoiled. So to me, coming from coming from Gambia, West Africa, like with no indoor plumbing or electricity, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That is like heaven for me, right? So. Mm-hmm. I'm always I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to complain about anything because I'm like, man, right. the ancestors are probably looking down at me like, look at this spoiled brat complaining about about <laughs> yes. this. You know what I mean? Like, yes. but I cannot fault people who don't have the same perspective. I mean, they're from a different environment. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to have the same kind of reaction to certain things. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, the only upside of growing up the way I grew up is that everything is an added blessing to my life, right? Yeah. Everything that happens to me, I'm like, it's an upgrade from how I grew up, right? So right, right. I try to put that in context in everything that I do. So residency, that was the reason I always had a smile on my face throughout residency, because mm-hmm. the place I grew up, this is an absolute upgrade on that. And the way that my parents worked so hard to put food on the table yes. mm-hmm. compared to what I have to do to get paid what I was getting paid. You know, it's quite the upgrade, and I have no reason to complain about it feels some like passion. A, right. It feels like a, a blessing, really, like every day. <laughs> it is. It is a blessing. And, 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 and I'm thinking, more importantly, what this training is going to allow me to do when I'm done. Yes. The lives that I will impact down the road. Like, mm-hmm. And someone is paying me to train 
to do something impactful for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. I cannot complain. But again, the people who voice discontent about that kind of a system, I don't fault them either. They don't have the right. same perspective. You, you, mm-hmm. Everyone is coming from a different background, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that's why residency programs, medical schools are putting a lot of emphasis on having as diversified a group as possible. Mm-hmm. Not di- just diversity in the way that we look, diversity mm-hmm. in experience, diversity exactly. in every forms of life, because mm-hmm. it makes for a very, very rich environment. You know, like mm-hmm. someone like me will try to put things in context. Sarah has a different upbringing, different lifestyle. She will bring a different context to whatever hardship the group may be dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. Diversity, when it works the way it's supposed to work, makes for a very strong team because our ideas, when we bring them together, diversified mm-hmm. ideas, when we bring them together, man, there's nothing that we can't do, right? Because right. everyone is coming from a different perspective. It makes mm-hmm. for a very, very strong whole, you know? So um, I'm always a big fan. I'm always a big fan of a diverse group. I agree. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I wanted to also ask your 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 experience. So you being the first in your family to come here and then, you know, be, become a physician, mm-hmm. um, did you ever feel like it was just like such a heavy weight because because you're the only one and like and then you were here in Wisconsin I think for maybe a little bit by yourself for a while for before sure. your family joined you did you ever feel like it's just like was so heavy that responsibility yeah. yeah it is it is because for me actually I had two parallel goals when I came to America right mm-hmm. I was on this personal journey to becoming a physician mm-hmm. at the same time my family was in abject poverty so mm-hmm. i cannot shun them and just follow my personal goals so i have these two parallel objectives of trying to uplift the family as i embark on this personal journey right mm-hmm. so because of that i try to bring my sisters you know my little brothers because i know the opportunities that we have in america mm-hmm. when it comes to education and fulfilling your dream mm-hmm. so Again, I looked at it as an opportunity. I am the first one in the family to come to this blessed land of ours, you know, full of full mm-hmm. of opportunities. So to me, it was actually an opportunity for me to change the trajectory of my family's life, you know, of my right. siblings' life, right? Mm-hmm. So it was actually a very rewarding experience to go through. I mm-hmm. never looked at it as a burden. I actually okay. enjoyed I actually enjoyed taking on the responsibility now. Some days it gets harder, right? Because you're working long hours, you know, you're trying to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. You have some other family responsibilities. Some people are not, not as understanding as others in the family. You know, they may right. feel like, you know, you shun the family. Now you're in America living your best life, not mm-hmm. knowing that you haven't had a day off in, in three, four, <laughs> five weeks. You know what I mean? So, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, be that as it may, I mean, it comes with the territory, right? It comes with mm-hmm. the territory. And I was talking to a friend of mine uh, the other day. I was telling him this. Sometimes you have to be selfish to actually help people, to be quite honest. As as paradoxical as that sound, Mm -hmm. sometimes people do not always know what you're working on. And sometimes they honestly don't even need to, but as long as your North Star is for the common good, I tell people it's totally okay to be selfish with your time. Mm -hmm. It's totally okay to dedicate time on your personal growth because that's the Mm -hmm. only way that you can uplift people behind you. So... Exactly. Me, mm-hmm. That's the mindset I had, you know. I mean, when I'm in America, if I have time, I call people. If I'm too busy, if I feel like getting involved in too many extracurricular stuff is going to be a deviation from my medical journey, mm-hmm. that thing has to be put to the side for now, you know what I mean? Because right, I right. know this is where the quote-unquote the money is, you know. This is how I'm going to uplift people 
from mm-hmm. you know from poverty you know this is how i'm going to bring better healthcare to my communities and things like that mm-hmm. it was a worthy journey to be on so it wasn't actually a burden for me and i i actually enjoyed it you know throughout it all how were you able to do that because okay so so then you went from washington to to here to the Michael college how yeah. How so? Were you able to qualify then for like loans or yeah, like how yeah, were you yeah. able to? Yeah, yeah okay, you do. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm, you do. Yep, yeah, you qualify. You qualified for loans then. You qualified for Is loans. It- then. Still as a as a visa, somebody with no, a visa. No, 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 yeah, and no. By then, I've already had my my permanent residency here. Oh, okay, on, okay. And things like that. Yeah, yeah. I see. Family. Okay. So, yep, yeah. So I by see. then, that was that was all sorted out. So I was able to get like the federal loans and things like that. You know, student loans like like everybody else. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. And then that's how you were able to also like bring in your family exactly. here. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. But it's a it's a very gratifying experience. You know, I mean, if you if you think about it, like I said, when I was in Gambia. For some reason, even as poor as my family was, it never crossed my mind that I would not be able to go to medical school because of money. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I always felt like if I put forth my best effort, somehow, somewhere, things would always pan out, right? Yeah. Um, I've always had that mindset. I don't know why I had that mindset at a very young age, but mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. Sometimes people work so hard for something and it mm-hmm. doesn't actually pan out. Mm-hmm. But things will never pan out if you don't work hard for them, right? So, right. I mean, for me, I feel like if I work really hard and I mm-hmm. leave everything on the table, then I will be happy with whatever the outcome is. I would mm-hmm. have been just as happy being a molecular biologist working in a lab, mm-hmm. you know, doing my PhD in molecular biology, or just being a nurse and working in a hospital in a nursing capacity. Mm-hmm. If that is where my path ended, like if I had given it my all and that's where I ended, I would have been just as happy. Mm-hmm. I felt like I probably would have been just as impactful, you know, because I had given it my all by that time. Right. And so, okay. So then now we're here at the <laughs> medical college for medical yep. school. Um, so when did you decide, okay, I want to do internal medicine and then um, that you wanted to stay here? For, mm-hmm. <laughs> for your residency? I know, for sure, for sure. So, I mean, by, by this time, I'm already here for medical school. I've become very familiar with the environment. Mm-hmm. And my sister had moved from Texas to Wisconsin by this time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's married now. She lives in Madison. Mm-hmm. So, and my mom had already come by then helping my sister with her baby in Madison. So family is mm-hmm. starting to grow over here now. So um, it was easy for me. I mean, I love the residency program at the medical college. Um, I interviewed mm-hmm. there. I think I actually approached the medical director, sorry, the program director, even before mm-hmm. the interview season. Mm-hmm. And I told her how much I love the program here, you know, just mm-hmm. to start the networking and that mm-hmm. I wanted to stay here. So the interview season was very straightforward for me because they know that I wanted to stay and I think they wanted me to stay as well. So mm-hmm. it made for a very, very easy decision to stay here for residency. Um, the family has a lot to do with me staying in this area, though, because the in Madison is only an hour drive to get to them. Right. And um, uh, yeah, it was it was very very easy for me to to make the decision. And at this point, also, is this were you already dating your your now wife or um, holding that into it too? Because that's important. Great, great question. God, you know, I never stop talking about her on rotations. I'm like, I wish they won't. I hope they won't get tired of me talking about my wife all the time. But what? no, we didn't. We did not. You never told us her name. What's her name? Uh, Fatumata. Fatumata. Okay. Fatumata, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Fatumata. But she has a nickname that I call her that we don't have to get into. But um, <laughs> um, <laughs> at any rate, I actually met her 
right before I started medical school. And, okay. And um, I, I had gone back home for a vacation right before I started medical school, and we met. Mm-hmm. And she was just starting medical school back home too. So mm-hmm. the best decision, hands down, that I've ever made. Not no. not because I'm saying that because she's going to listen to this podcast. I actually <laughs> meant that, you know, to be quite honest. I actually meant that because it has added so much ground into my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I knew medical school was going to be tough. And right. I was not planning on getting married at the time, though, when we met. I mean, but then as soon mm-hmm. as I saw her, I'm like, man, this is the kind of calm and serenity I needed in my life. I mean, she exudes calmness. I'm like, okay. I'm everything that everyone is telling me that how rocky med school is going to be. You need some sort mm-hmm. of a common presence in your life. So mm-hmm. um, to me, it was it was easy choice, man, easy choice. But then I had to convince her that I was the right choice for the next couple of years, you know, before before she finally realized that, okay, maybe these guys are right. So, <laughs> but um, it, was, it was totally worth it, man. I'll do it again. I'll do it all over again. So um, she added a lot of structure to my life. So in, in medical school, she added a lot of structure into my life because she was in medicine, so she knows exactly what all it entails to mm-hmm. go through this journey, right? Mm-hmm. And my life was so structured. I go to school, I get home, I mean, I work on my homeworks, and then I have a specified time of when I call her, you know. So for mm-hmm. the next four years, I mean, now for the next seven years, that is the regimen that I've always been on. So there's no uh-huh. room for me for me to go astray. You know, I have a very regimented schedule and mm-hmm. always someone I look forward to talking to when I get home, right? So right. it makes the journey much more fun and interesting for me. So mm-hmm. and, um, she had a lot of perspective to my life, to be quite honest, because in as much as you think I'm positive... Mm-hmm. Talk about a positive human being, man. Like sometimes I can get yeah. cynical because I'm a, I'm a realist, you know. I mean, I believe. I don't believe that, but okay. I can. I can get. I can get. You know, cynical sometimes. Um, I believe that there's evil in this world, but she is probably the most positive human being you'll meet. I mean, she will spin everything negative into a positive. You know, so I mean, it was it was a great match for me, man. Like if I oh. if I had to do it again, I'll do. I'll do exactly the same thing. So for all the young fellas out there who are scared to get married because of med school, do it, man. It's a good call. <laughs> Find the right one and do it. Hey, you were able to do it. You, you were able to do it with and long distance. I, so. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, yeah. intercontinental, intercontinental long distance. And, and it was still the best decision I've ever made. You know, it's still the best That's decision awesome. I've ever made. So um, very well. And I, I told her I'm going to do this podcast and she's like, uh-huh. oh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I hope she likes the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope so. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. But um, she wants to do internal medicine, too. So it'll be really mm-hmm. nice to kind of sync our schedules together and try to do some great things moving forward. So I think that'd be great. And then also yeah. the clinic, right, that you're, you're, you're building in Gambia? Yeah, yeah. I mean, y- yeah, that's definitely the plan. I mean, it's still in its infancy. You know, there's a lot of logistics mm-hmm. that have to you know, that has to pan out for that to come to fruition. But, but mm-hmm. definitely, you know, I mean, I, I still have it in the works. In the meantime, though, I'm trying to see how best I can help the main county hospital over there, how best mm-hmm. I can be part of that team mm-hmm. and see how we can move things forward from a system improvement standpoint. And also I'm trying to see how I can start participating in the medical school over there, you know, how, mm-hmm. how best I can help the students see the joy in medicine that I see every single day, you know what I mean? So yeah, uh, moving forward, Fortunately, my schedule as a hospitalist will allow me to have a little bit more time to spend some time in Gambia and trying to try to do my best part and, um, you know, move the, move the system forward for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. Now, 
So now you're in your what? Like, so you just finished your first week as an as a hospitalist at St. Luke's, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So what 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 is the rest of my what say the next five years look like look for, like for me? Uh -huh. <laughs> Great question, Sarah. I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, when I was in residency, I was thinking about cardiology a lot, you know, at, at mm -hmm. first, but. I think more and more, my thinking is shifting more towards kind of leadership role, you know, like um, mm -hmm. system improvement kind of role, because mm -hmm. I want to have a bigger impact. And that is what I'm trying to figure out right now. What can I do? What sort of additional training can I do on top of my residency training that can have a bigger impact on a population standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still debating with that, you know, should I go with like some sort of healthcare management kind of advanced training or should I mm -hmm. go for like a subspecialty like cardiology per se? So I'm still between the two. I haven't quite made up my mind yet, but whatever I end up doing, even if I try to go for subspecialty training, yeah. I think leadership training, administrative training is definitely in there in the mix somewhere because in us, I don't care how good of a doctor we are you are just as good as the system that you work in, right? So, right. yeah, I, I want to see how best I can merge my medical education knowledge with some leadership and some administrative knowledge to have a bigger impact on a bigger segment of the community, if that makes sense. It does make sense, yes. Where, sure. do you, where do you get that kind of training? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they have a lot of, like, master's programs in healthcare management, you I know, see. in healthcare okay. administration. And I think my, my new establishment will offer me that, that opportunity to do those advanced training if I want to. Oh, but okay. in the meantime, you know, you'll get a lot of on-the-job training, if you will, Right. I want to spend, like I said, a lot of time in Gambia trying to be as participatory as possible in the healthcare mm -hmm. ecosystem of that country because, I mean, there's a lot of need for help, a lot of need for personnel to mm -hmm. kind of help. You know, I mean, all hands on deck kind of mentality, right? Mm -hmm. The doctor to patient ratio over there is abysmal. You know, I mean, there's not that many really? doctors over there naturally. And um, I think any help that they can get, you know, will be much appreciated. And for me, uh -huh. I went to medical school really for communities like that, right? I mean, for right. communities where, like, there's a real need for doctors, right? I mean, in America, we talk about doctor shortages, but, I mean, if you if you look at the doctor shortages in other parts yeah. of the world, yeah. you know, you'll be like, really? Why are you complaining about doctor shortages, right? There's nothing. You should see some real doctor shortages over there. You should see there. some real doctor shortages, right? So, so for yeah. me, I mean... That is really where I can see my career going moving forward. I mean, mm -hmm. America is like a second home to me. I don't mm -hmm. see myself packing up and just going home right off the bat, right? But mm -hmm. I want to see how best I can impact both communities, you know, work here because mm -hmm. America has given me so much, you know. I mean, I consider this my second home. Mm -hmm. I want to see how I can impact my community here in America and mm -hmm. also have some sort of an impact on my home country of the Gambia, you know. So that is my my five-year plan, if you will, you know, I mean, how best I can be as participatory as possible, mm -hmm. you know, in both sides of the sides of the globe, if you will. Well, well you're so inspirational. I just, oh. I enjoy talking to you so much. <laughs> so thank, th thank you very much. I mean, I know you have some big plans too, you know, I mean, I wish, I wish I could be the interviewer to listen to all your plans, you know, I know, I, I mean, I know <laughs> we've talked about some of your great plans, but I, yeah. I couldn't wait to see you get started, man. I mean, the stuff that you want to do for your community, man, it is just as, as inspirational, Sarah, to be quite honest. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I can, we kind of kind of share a little bit of it because yep. you want, you want to, everything that you're doing essentially yep. is like, so you can get back to your community, get back for to sure. like, not only the one here that you have built, but like also back home. Yep. Um, 
that's that's kind of like a, a similar mentality that I have. And that's what gets me through my really toughest days when I really sure. just need to like remember why I'm doing this. For sure. I think For back sure. to like, okay, like I am needed. My my voice is needed. My experience sure. is needed. And sure. my community needs me. And I am I want to go back to that community and help, you know, make changes there. So Absolutely. Absolutely. So and it's, a, it's, it's, a much, it's, a, it's a much needed change as well. You know, I mean, because if you're doing it in a community that kind of looks like you phenotypically, mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the medical service that you're providing, there's a mm-hmm. symbolism attached to that move, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have kids looking at you thinking, hey, you know, Booba is from the same muddy streets that I'm from. Mm -hmm. Look at where he got to now. All of a sudden, you'll be be surprised whose life you're changing very quietly, even without saying a word, right? Exactly. Them seeing you in those communities, them seeing you do the things you're doing, being a role model, not getting Mm -hmm. in trouble, you know, like putting your best effort forward every single day. Exactly. Even that symbolism in itself is huge. Right. It's huge. So mm-hmm. I think that's why it's really important for people like you and I to always, always have that within our plans to mm-hmm. go back into our communities. Because when I was younger in Igbo town, some of my biggest inspirations would come from like seeing some of the Gambians in America who mm-hmm. are very active academically doing things with the United Nations, WHO mm-hmm. and things like that. Right. Those are my inspirations. Those people they don't even know me. They've never seen me. But just by hearing their stories, it gives me that extra juice to keep going. You know what I mean? Like there's no exactly. there's no kerosene lamp. There's no candles. But I'm like, man, I mean, they came from this, you know, neck of the woods and look at where they are now. Right. And quietly, even without them knowing, they mm-hmm. have given me that extra push I needed that night to get through this one chapter, right? So exactly. it, it, it's amazing, you know, from a symbolistic standpoint, how much you mm-hmm. can change people's lives just by being in their midst, you know. That's why I'm really excited about going back and forth between America and Gambia because I want to be that symbol for the kids that someone was for me very quietly from a distance, you know. Right, exactly. And that that was actually my my whole kind of like vision for this podcast. Like I'm not sure really like, you know, how how many lives I will touch, but even if it's just one, it's worth it for me. Yeah. It's totally worth it, it, man. And and definitely to, to that end, man, any kid who is watching, who is listening to this from an underrepresented background and you want to go to, into medicine, it can happen for you, man. Like, you are mm-hmm. going to have some stumbling blocks along the way, mm-hmm. financially, even like from an opportunity standpoint, but it can happen to you. Right. You have to keep talking to people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Luckily now, I mean, with this advent of social media, just go on Twitter, man. Like, look at anyone who looks like you or kind of thinks like you, reach out to them, man. Right. People are so generous with their time when it comes I, to mentorship these days. I agree. I agree. I have like so many students that you know reach out to me there on social media, and for I'm, sure, for sure. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll help you. Like, for sure, let's do <laughs> yeah. it. No, let's do it. No, I mean, all you have to do is reach out. I mean, and that mm-hmm. is my advice to anyone underrepresented in medicine: do not be shy to reach out to people. Right? People right. are so generous with their time; like they will literally mm-hmm. walk you through their path. And mm-hmm. to that end, though, as a mentor. I try not to be too prescriptive, right? right? My journey may be a little bit different. Me and Sarah may have exactly the same destination where we want to get to, which is medical school and becoming a doctor. Right. But our path to how we get there may be totally different, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So as a mentor, this is what I always tell myself. 
try not to be too prescriptive. You cannot mm-hmm. tell your mentees, I want you to do A, B, C, D, E, otherwise you're not getting into med school. No, man. No. Like, you have no idea about people's heart, what they can put up with, you know, what they can exactly. deal with. You know, just tell them your story, be mm-hmm. inspirational, but try not to be too prescriptive. You know what I mean? Right. Try not right. to be too prescriptive. So that is the that is the only advice I have for the mentors and the mentees. Mentees, reach out to the mentors, man. As a mentor, try not to be too prescriptive, man. You know, exactly. just, just just show them the roadmap and just just have them, you know, make make mm-hmm. their own story. Mm-hmm. Help them as along as sure. in their own way. In their for own sure. way. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Well, um, I want to respect your time. We, we can certainly keep on talking. But I, I, <laughs> we are here at the hour and six minute mark. Um, so we could wrap it up here unless there is something else that, that you wanted well, to share. Sarah, I think this is perfect. I think this is perfect. I cannot wait for this podcast to blow, man. I think it is going to blow. <laughs> because, I mean, you are onto something great here, man. I mean, I think you should keep these conversations going. You know, this is really important. If I had this back when I was looking into going into medical school, some of my anxiety probably would have been a little bit more minimized, mm-hmm. knowing that there's an actual opportunity for me. There's an actual path for me to get here. Mm-hmm. So I think having platforms like this, you know, is, is, is really a step in the right direction for the underrepresented in medicine. So I cannot yeah. wait. To see it blow up, you know. I mean, I think I think you're, you're changing the world one one podcast at a time. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you. I try, I try, especially with the schedule of how it is being a medical student. I, you know, I try. It's ridiculous. Talk about multitasking. You think I'm the multitasker? You have a whole podcast, my friend. A whole oh, podcast. I mean, but like I started like a year ago, and I'm like, okay, interview here, interview there. It's just yeah, and then like you know, a lot of like figuring out i've never done this before like i don't this is amazing you know it's funny because i think emily was the one that told me about your podcast i didn't know yeah, you. I was I'm so, like... oh my gosh but i was so <laughs> nervous to ask you i was so shy i was like sarah has a podcast but then i looked i was like wow this is a legit podcast man like this is this is amazing, you know, but I, I really like this. And I think I listened to a couple of the episodes and I'm like, wow, this is a great idea. You know, I'm in mean, a great avenue for people to come and hear people's journey to medicine because everyone's journey is so different. And mm-hmm. you can make out your own story in this in this ecosystem. And I think that's what underrepresented um, candidates should definitely take away from your podcast, that we're all coming from different backgrounds. But ultimately, the goal is always to become a medical doctor and impact mm-hmm. your communities in your own way and in your own in your own time. So, perfectly said. Perfectly Very said. Well. All right, okay, my friend. Well with that, thank you so much for joining. Absolutely, absolutely. Have a great <laughs> one. Okay. Thank you. You as well. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the I Look Like a Doctor podcast. If you would be so kind as to leave us a review on your listening platform, it would really help us to get the show out to more people. As a special incentive, if you have a question for the next physician guest or myself, feel free to leave that question in your review or as an alternative, you can also screenshot your review and email that to doctor at gmail.com along with your question. Thank you.